everybody. This is Eric Elliott back with another episode of the Refocus Nutrition Podcast. This week we have on a very special guest, uh, Cody McBroom. Uh, Cody is a nutrition coach in the industry. He's actually like the first the first time I ever heard of him actually was at Jason Phillips's uh, course last year at the Nutritional Coaching Institute in Washington, D.C. Um, I, I heard of Cody, I think, I don't know if I actually heard of him before, um, but there's a lot of times that, that people in the crowd um, who were there uh, learning to be nutrition coaches or already nutrition coaches and were building upon that, um, they were asking questions about Cody's podcasts and things like that. Um, I actually remember looking through my notes in in from that weekend and seeing like um, seeing a couple questions that were asked and and then Jason made the comment like if you don't know who Cody is already and don't listen to his podcast you should so I wrote like down find Cody Boom Boom podcast um, and I remember like so I, I I was staying on Airbnb at the time and it was about a half an hour walk to the venue each day so. I remember the next day just like walking around listening to his podcast, um, which is actually incredible. Um, his podcast, for those of you who aren't following it, is the Boom Boom Performance Podcast. Um, it is like, it's amazing. Um, it's got a lot of content on there, like from everything within the like the fitness um, lifestyle uh, realm of things. So like hormones, all kinds of different experts, whether that's physique, CrossFit, um, bodybuilding, anything really that you can think of. Um, he's like, he's a really good resource. Um, if you're not following him on Instagram, you should be just because he adds a ton of value to, um, the people he works with, but even not the people he works with. Like I don't really work with him, but super down to earth guy. And I mean, he's also a nice, he's, he's a young dude like myself, 26 years old, uh, trying to make a change in the industry. So, that's that's kind of who Cody is. I'll let him kind of tell his story uh, about how he got to where he is today. Um, as always, guys, I I love I love for you guys to share uh, what your thoughts are on the podcast um, and do that in a rating and a review on iTunes or wherever you happen to listen to your podcast. Um, but not only that, like screenshot our conversation with Cody, um, put it in your stories, tag my, Cody and myself. Um, just so that we know like you guys are listening to it and we can help grow this show because I have a ton of really interesting guests like next week we have a, a hormones expert and then a weightlifting expert um, and I'd love for you guys to be able to share that with more people so we can help more people get help and listen from this podcast but that's it for me for now guys um, enjoy this episode with Cody Boom Boom and we're back guys with another episode another guest with Cody Boom Boom. Uh, his real name is Cody uh, McBroom, from what I understand. And Cody is a nutrition coach within the space. He's someone that I look up to a lot, uh, mainly because of his expertise, but also because of the fact that he's very similar to me in terms of age. Uh, so he's one guy that's making a lot of noise in the industry and doing so at a young age. So he's someone that provides a lot of value to someone like myself without even him knowing it, just because it's it, it's a little bit of inspiration that if someone that young can make that much of an impact, so can I. So welcome to the, uh, welcome to the show, Cody. Uh, to start off with, let's talk a little bit about you because I know you are a nutrition coach. Uh, you do have a ton of value and a ton of expertise within the industry, whether that's CrossFit, whether that's physique, or whether it's just you know fat loss, muscle gain, all those kinds of different things. But I know a lot of my listeners don't, or a lot of people that, talk to me on an everyday basis don't necessarily know about you yet and that's kind of unfortunate but yeah tell me the Cole's notes of, of who Cody is yeah dude uh thank you for having me on the podcast man it means a lot and that intro was uh humbling dude it's uh it's really cool because it's funny I actually just was at um two days ago I was at the college I went to uh through the fitness program there and I came back to talk um about young entrepreneurship and, and what you can do and, and how age really isn't a factor. So it's cool that you brought that up. It just, just at a relative time, man. So thank you for having me on, dude. I really do appreciate it. And I appreciate the intro, but who I am, uh, my name is Cody McBroom. My nickname has been Cody Boom Boom McBroom for, uh, shit since high school and it kind of <laughs> just stuck with me. So that's, that's why that's where the boom boom comes from. But, um, it's something nobody forgets, which is, uh, which is catchy and it's a good thing. But, um, long story short, man, I grew up just chubby. My whole life, I was just overweight. I was never obese or severely overweight where it was like a medical issue or anything like that. But 
always chubby, always kind of the fat kid in my crew, um, always hid behind my humor, always had a lot of issues with just lack of confidence and self-esteem and just being that overweight kid, not being able to do what my friends were doing in PE class or on the soccer team or whatever it may be. Um, once I hit high school, I kind of hit a growth spurt, started getting really into soccer, um, started excelling at soccer. I was never like lean or ripped and i had never stepped foot in the gym at this point, but, um, but I got out of being that chubby kid and it felt good. So I started playing more soccer until I had my first knee surgery, um, tore my meniscus gained probably 20 pounds after that, tried to come back, started playing soccer again, rehabbed a little bit. And then I tore my ACL the next year. (laughs) Then I graduated high school, and at this point, I'm up another 20 probably. And so I'm overweight at this point. I'm only 5'9", so at 205, 210 pounds, that's pretty big, especially when you have no muscle mass on you because I'd never worked out at that point at all. (laughs) Um, So I was just kind of stuck, man. I wasn't going to school for soccer like I wanted to. I was going to community college for business, which was not my choice. It was my father's choice. A lot of my friends were out playing ball at college uh, universities, and I was just kind of stuck, man, not motivated. Um, I wouldn't say I was depressed, but I definitely wasn't a happy person. I wasn't a positive person, and I just had no direction whatsoever. And one day, a guy came up to me um, at the gym at the college, noticed I had a knee brace on, noticed I was doing some exercises that would probably make it worse because I didn't know any better. And he just gave me some guidance real quick and, and was like, hey, I run the fitness department here. If you ever want to swing by and see what my class is about, just come on in. I kind of just ignored him. Weeks went by. And then finally I was in business class and I asked my teacher how many businesses he had ran. And he said, none. He said that he went to school for business. He came and started teaching. And it just, it pissed me off to be honest with you, man. I was just like, how are you going to sit here and tell us how to open a business and teach entrepreneurship? And you've never even owned a business legitimately. So I literally just got up and left class. I happened to be walking by the fitness department and I was like, you know what? Screw it. I'm going to pop in, popped in absolutely fell in love. Um, first class was functional training, um, or no, it was called functional movement. Um, and they were doing movement screens when I walked in the class and it was the coolest fucking thing. And I just, I stuck with it ever since then. I later found out that the teacher that approached me, um, was one of the Olympic swim strength coaches. He owned multiple gyms. He had worked like Jerry Rice and like all these athletes, like badass dude that everybody in the industry knew. And I had no idea who was like (laughs) at my grasp. Um, but I just, man, I followed him to his gym. I interned with him, went to school. Um, and then it was just became a journey to lose weight myself and document the process. So, I mean, literally dude, eight years ago, I started trying to lose weight, successfully did it, started documenting the process on my blog. This is before Instagram or anything. And I was just sharing my message. And, and my goal was just to learn more and just spread that message. Like people on T nation and Jason Frugia, Nate Green, John Brardy, all these people that I looked up to back then that were doing that online my main goal was like, let me just share this message like they did for me because that helped me change my body and helped me learn, find a new passion, find direction in my life. And I just never turned back, man. I mean, that's literally been the mission ever since is just provide as much free content as possible, just educate people and just continue to do it. Um, Obviously, over time, I became a trainer. I started coaching people. I coached people in person for six years while building my blog and building my online presence um, uh, two and a half, three years ago the blog started taking off and making money uh, through coaching. And that's when I decided, I think I'm going to go all in on this. And I started pushing it more and more, found out I was having a baby. And that's when I quit the gym, went all in on the online business. And now it's, I mean, we have multiple coaches working underneath me. We have multiple platforms where we post content. We have a membership site. So we do a lot of different things for a lot of different people around the world, man. And it's just really, really cool experience. Yeah, I mean, it's been it's been awesome to follow. I think I've been following you. I've I've only been in the industry working as a nutrition coach for about a year, um, and I've been following you basically ever since. How old are you now, Cody? I am twenty six. So when you first when you first stumbled upon that classroom, and even in the the weeks and months, and maybe even you know year or so afterwards, was there ever a point where you thought, you know, all right, I'm going to be a nutrition coach, or I'm going like I'm going to be a personal trainer, or what like? What did you ever put any labels on those things? Or basically, did you just put your head down, grind and say, fuck it up, whatever happens, happens, but I'm going to push my, pursue my passion. You know, it's, it's funny. I actually, so I graduated high school at 17 years old. So I turned 18 and then immediately started school. So I actually got into this when I was really young. So 18 years old at that point, as an 18 year old, you're not really like, I'm not thinking, you know, what is going to set me up for a proper retirement and, and things like that. You know, I just was like what do I want to do? Like, I just want to have fun. Like I, I've never been somebody that was 
really into school. Um, I didn't do well in high school at all. Um, I skipped class all the time. Like it, it just, that part didn't excite me. So when I went to college for business, I was in the back of the class. I was skipping class. I was just, I just wasn't having fun. And that's all that mattered to me is like just doing what I love or being passionate about something. And I really didn't have that anymore because my friends were gone. I couldn't play soccer because of my knee. I couldn't skateboard anymore because of my knee. So I was kind of in this stuck place, dude. And, and once I found fitness, at first, it was kind of like what you said. Put my head down, grind, because I want to change my body. I was tired of being insecure. I wanted girls to notice me. So I like just put my head down, stopped partying, and was like, what do I need to learn in order to do this right? And I did everything wrong. I mean, I tried fad diets. I tried whatever I saw in the magazine that Jay Cutler or Ronnie Coleman was doing, which was a horrible thing for a young beginner who is a natural <laughs> to be doing, <laughs> but I did everything right. And, uh, I fell in love with the process of trying new things and seeing my body change. Um, and it, I would say like once I hit 19 years old, that's when I was like, okay, I'm going to do this for a living. And I, that's when I, so I started kind of, it was funny. I started going to this guy's class, but it wasn't my, actual class <laughs> so I was just going there instead of mine <laughs> and he let me and then I actually went and forged my dad's signature so I could officially sign up for those classes but he because they didn't want me to be a trainer because I mean I mean if you think about it and it makes sense I come home and I'm like hey guys I'm gonna be a trainer I'm gonna start doing this instead and they're like they didn't say this but my parents are probably looking at me like you're still chubby you just started working out for the first time two weeks ago like what are you talking <laughs> about this makes no sense but like I have that mind frame dude is like when I know I just know, and I'm just going to go. So I went against their wishes and I just did it anyway. And man, I literally over the course of like, as a beginner at a young age, I think probably over the course of six months, I went from being kind of fat to having abs and loving the process. And that's when I was like, okay, this is fucking cool. I'm going to go all in on it. And I actually did say, this is crazy. I said, I am going to be and Jay Ferrugia. I don't know if you know who he is, yeah, but yeah. And I've actually met him and I've never told him this, but I probably should because I've, I've met him multiple times. Um, I, I looked at him and was like, I'm going to do that. I'm going to have an online thing. Like, I don't know how that works. I don't know how he makes money because everything I've read is free. I don't get it, but that's what I'm going to do. Um, so I started writing for the school newspaper. I started my own blog um, and just started learning, man. Every day meant I had to read more articles, read more books and just, just put out content, just share information. Um, and then I interviewed for an internship with Luca Josefar at Vigor Ground Fitness and Performance here in Seattle. And, uh, and that's eight years now, eight years ago, because I worked there for six years and I told him, yo, like, I think I want to start coaching and interning with you because I want to start a website like Jay Frugia and I want to do that for my living. And he was like, cool, put your head down, coach people in person for five years, and then you'll have the experience to do that. And I was like, okay. So I fucking put my head down and I worked for him for six years, coaching people in person, man, and just wrote the whole time. And then I started offering online coaching. So for me, it was it was from day one. I was like, this is my plan. There's no plan B. I will not do anything else. I will do something in fitness and nutrition. And at first it was just fitness, man. I just love training. I didn't understand nutrition. It was too complicated. It didn't make sense. Um, and then, and this is a very long winded answer, so I apologize. But <laughs> once I turned 21, I decided to do a bodybuilding competition. That was my first introduction to macros. And it was a different style of macros back then. Um, it was a 12-week prep for a show, but it involved tracking my macros and understanding how many protein, fats, and carbs I was eating. And that was the first time I ever saw that side of everything. And I went from being, I mean, in shape, you know, lean or whatever, to absolutely shredded, like unhealthy shredded, like bodybuilding lean, like you're supposed to get. Mm -hmm. yep. And it was just unbelievable how much my body changed from being able to manipulate protein, fats, and carbs. And that's when nutrition became my passion. And then from there, everything else picked up because now I could offer a completely different side of things. From a mindset standpoint, and like I, I definitely see, and I've heard from, uh, I've heard from Jason, you know, your work ethic and you can see it, you know, bleed through your content every single day over that five year period or four year period or however long it really was. Is there times when your head where you're like, damn, man, like when's this going to really, really pay off? Because like you grind out content probably like no one else I've seen in the industry. And it's not just like filler content either. It's like if, if I was reading yesterday on your on your website, just going through and, and going through like a blog post on on alcohol. And like I you can tell me, but like I would guess that piece was closer to two thousand words, right? Like those aren't things that you just rip over, mm -hmm. rip off in like 20 minutes while you're on your commute home from work like yeah they take a lot of time right so how do you get how do you push through those 
those hard times over those five years to keep going to see actually the, the, the dream to fruition. Yeah. Like I think one part of it in like, I just have to throw this in there. I'm literally obsessed with creating content and I think it's weird. <laughs> I don't think people are like me, man. I'm literally obsessed with creating free content without any reward attached to it. And what I mean by that is I literally get so much gratification out of creating a free blog without knowing if it'll sign up any clients based off of it or bring us any revenue. I just I get, love that. It's crazy, man. Like I wrote a almost 5,000 word blog on the process of how I got one of my clients, Jeremiah, ready for his photo shoot over eight months, just like completely shredded. And now we're reverse dieting him. But I like literally mapped out month after month what I did and the strategy and the macro changes and the cardio adjustments and what training he was doing, like everything. And people love the blog. But I just had so much fun writing it. So I think for me, I've always just gotten kind of got lost in the words, man. Like I remember in high school, I took English class in acting every every semester I could like I did English one English two I did acting you're not allowed to do acting more than once a year and I did it three times somehow I got into it but I just loved creating stories I loved writing I loved being creative with words and creating scripts and I did video class and I would create storyboards for other people it's just what I love doing man hated math hated science hated everything else but um so I think big part of it is I'm I really am just passionate about creating the content I think there's just something inside of it that I have fun with and I think that's a big thing for people to realize is like inside of the coaching business what part of it does it does actually fire you up and this is something I work with my mentor clients on is like when you look at your day-to-day work like what aspect do you truly get fired up on whatever you do like that's what's going to show so if you're passionate about x you need to do more of X. You need to double down on that because that's what's going to show people how passionate you are, how experienced you are, how well you communicate thing concepts through to them. Um, so for me, that's just content in general, man. Um, so that's that's a big piece of it. Um, as far as like my work ethic and what allows me to do it is, it's it's hard to say because at first it was changing my own body. I was tired of being insecure. I wanted to build I wanted to look like fucking Arnold Schwarzenegger I wanted to get on that level right so for me it was really internal um, and I knew if I studied I would learn things and if I used that information inside of a blog or a post or if I taught somebody it I would retain that knowledge better so for me it was just about like learning and executing learning and executing because I just wanted to know more I didn't care about money I didn't know my business plan I didn't know anything I just wanted to learn Um, and then after a while it came to a point where I wanted to change other people's physiques. I wanted to see success in people. I wanted people to look at my clients and be like, holy shit, that's crazy. Again, no money attached to it. Um, I didn't even like really dive into the work ethic behind like business stuff until I found out I was having my daughter. And that's when everything just catapulted because I had a really big burning desire and purpose behind what I was doing. I didn't want my daughter to go to daycare. Um, I didn't want my fiance to have to work. I I wanted to provide everything I could for her. So I just went even harder on everything I did. Um, And I was able to do that. So I think there was like, there's an evolution behind what drives me. And I think as the business has grown, as I've grown in the industry, like things have changed and have kind of escalated. But I would say, man, like behind it all, like it's really just an insane passion and obsession for creating content. And I don't know what it is, but I love creating content more than anything. (laughs) <laughs> yeah that's awesome and it definitely shows that you can see that every every day when something new comes out either it's on instagram your website but one of the things i think that kind of spoke true i think that a lot of people could take home with this in terms of what a good core value that you have and i think one core value that a lot of coaches should have is that that mentality of giving without the expectation of ever receiving right because mm-hmm. like there's a lot of times within within the business of whether it's you know crossfit or whatever it happens to be with coaching um, that, you know, people want to put a price tag on it and, and rightfully so. I mean, there are, you have to make money out of it, but at the same time, you do have to, to give more than you ever possibly could receive. Like you, you have to give 10 times as much as before someone's actually going to sign up, uh, to become your client. So I think that's one thing that a lot of people could take home from that. When it comes to yourself as a coach, obviously you've evolved, um, over the last, you know, six, seven years that since you've been doing it. How did you, what, what has been like the biggest thing you've learned um, that you could have told yourself at, you know, 20 years old in terms of mindset wise to help people with coaching that is different today than it would have been say six or seven years ago? Yeah, I think, 
I mean, one, I think a lot of people need to understand better is actually what you already said is the giving thing. Like I can't regurgitate that enough. So I'm glad you pulled that out because it's something I talk about so much. And for those listening, if you want to check out like a good book on it, the go-giver, it's unbelievable. I make all my mentor clients, all my coaches, everybody read it at least once. It's just so powerful. I think that's a big one. I think patience is huge, man. I think that in this world, everybody just wants things so quick. And even for myself growing up, I was very impatient. Um, Mm -hmm. So when I got into the industry at first, I was definitely impatient. I expect things quickly. Um, I was lucky to have like a very blunt and honest and stern mentor at first, Luca, that would just like kind of just put me in shape. You know what I mean? He would just (laughs) tell me like, and even with my training, I I remember, and I talked about this in my newsletter this morning, actually, like I remember saying, uh, like, dude, why are you like, they were, these dudes are jacked him and Hugh are these two guys he's chained with. Hugh is like a short Asian dude, probably like five, seven, five, eight, but he's just a beast. Like comic books, Jack, right? <laughs> Unhuman. And Luca's this big, bald Sylvanian dude. Again, huge jacked. And I would get frustrated. Cause I'm like, I'm in here every single day with you guys. I have been for the last three years. I watch my nutrition better than you guys. Why don't I look that way? Like, it doesn't make sense to me. <laughs> he's like, how long have you been trained? I was like four years. I've been training 13 and I was like, Oh, got it. How long have you been in the industry? Two. I've owned this gym for 10. Before that I was coaching people in my college. Before that I was training people out of my parents' gym in Sylvania. Like it was just like, Oh fuck. And I had this like really big, like light switch. And this is like early in my career. Like I said, two years into it. And I was just like patience. Like that's what it is. Um, and I think I have to remind myself of this all the time, man. We, we implement a new strategy and content. We implement a new coaching tactic. We implement new tracking sheets or metrics or anything. And we want that to pan out so quickly, yet it takes time. Everything takes so much time. Um, and the best results, like people, I got a lot of questions after I wrote that case study blog of my client. They're like, how do I do that? Spend eight months dialing things in and you can get shredded. Eight months, not 12 weeks, right? Like it takes time. So I think the biggest thing is just patience, man. I think everything you do in life just takes patience. One time isn't enough. And then if I could add a third thing besides giving patience and then one more, it would just be action. Like if there's one thing I do really well, it's literally just take action. And my mentors over the years would always tell me this, like they would, I was a part of this group. Um, I was the youngest by far. Everybody else was 30 plus all gym owners, fitness professionals in this entrepreneurs group of business coaching. And he used to call me the pit bull and he would like fire me up by sending me text messages of like a pit bull with like lightning in the background, like a little gif and like just random shit like that. But he would call me the pit bull because he used me as an example for all these older dudes. And he was like, I tell Cody to do something and he just does it. Like I'd give him a strategy or an idea or a concept for business. The next day he's like, I did it. It's done. Let's just wait and see if it works. There was never any questions. There's never any doubt. There's never any, any like scarcity or judgment to myself. It's literally just like, think, do, act. Like it's just done. Right. I don't, I don't sit around and doubt or worry or, or fear anything anymore. It's just, and I had in the past and it's a thing like, but I'm conscious about it. Right. As soon as doubt creeps into my mind, as soon as scarcity, or like I start judging myself or anything like that comes to my mind, that's going to slow down my action. I just stop. And I just do anyway, because I know that that's pushing into resistance and resistance happens to everybody in life. Resistance is choosing salad over pizza. Resistance is choosing not to go out. Resistance is going to the gym early in the morning when you don't feel like going. Resistance is putting, pushing publish on that vulnerable piece of content that you just created for Instagram that kind of shows your transparency. Like we have resistance every day and resistance pushes us away from action. But I've been really good about seeing resistance, understanding resistance, and just accepting resistance, and then taking action in spite of resistance. And I think that's a huge thing for a lot of people. If people just took action more and thought later, you would learn a lot down the, uh, across time, even if you failed, but more importantly, you'll succeed more because you just took action more. Yeah I, yeah, I couldn't agree more. Like one thing that, um, again, I'm so like, so fresh, still budding in, in being a nutrition coach. And one, when I was, you know, walking and talking with Jason last year at the, at our certification. Uh, I have a journalism background as well. So like content for me is something that I can do relatively well. And for the biggest, for the longest time, it was a matter of not doing it right. Because it was just like, you know, what if someone reads this and thinks it's wrong or what if like all these, what ifs that go through your mind. Right. 
and he like he he put it very simple like you did like look man alan aragon's not reading this neither am i no one's cutting apart this shit so like the only problem with it is you sitting there not doing it and not putting it out because you think people are going to cut it apart right yeah. The only the only thing you can do is action and, and keep moving and keep doing things that's going to help you get better. Everyone makes mistakes to start off with. So I think that was like a really, yeah, it's, it's a huge take home point. Getting more into the, the art of coaching. Um, what's your definition of a coach? Because I know that's something that in terms of a title you take really seriously and has that evolved over time? Yeah. Um, something that stuck with me a long time ago um, was from somebody who I knew for a long time. I still, obviously, I still know him. He's a really great guy. Martin Rooney, who owns uh, Training for Warriors. He he defined a coach, and he takes it super seriously. And it really made me think about things completely differently. This is probably like five, four or five years ago that he, he taught me this. But first, he started by defining the literal meaning of a coach. And it's a Latin word that comes from um, a carriage that takes you from point A to point B. If you look at like a coach purse, that's why their symbol is a, is a carriage it's a, a form of transportation that takes you to the destination. So technically a coach's job is number one is to get you to where you want to be plain and simple. There's nothing else that, that we are supposed to do. The other piece of that in my mind is I want to kind of provide scenery along the way, if you will, like if we're using this as like a, uh, a metaphor uh, for the carriage, but I want to teach you along the way, right? I want to provide you with the insights along the way. I want to educate you. So now I'm kind of thinking like, okay, I'm supposed to get you from point A to point B, but I'm also supposed to educate you along the way to show you how that carriage worked. How did I get you from point A to point B? What happened? How did I do it? Why did I do it? What was the result of doing it? How do you adjust it in the future? Because at some point in time, you're going to fire me or you're just going to get your result and you're going to leave. At some point in time, we're not going to work together. And I tell people this all the time when we start. So it's my job for you to understand what we're doing right now and why so that when you do leave, you can maintain that result because it's a representation of who I am as a coach. If every client I have is screwed because they don't know what we did and why it worked after we get done, that's going to give me a bad reputation. And I know a lot of people in the bodybuilding space that had really bad reputations because they would take people to stage and then say, peace, they got there before and after the person would gain a bunch of weight. That's a horrible representation. I do this for people to better, better their lives, not 12 weeks. Right. So I think the biggest role as, as a coach is to get you to your result. We, we can't forget that, but it's to educate you along the way. So you understand why we're doing it and what we're doing. And then last but not least, I think it's just important to really connect and understand and communicate. Like, I think there's, there's a part of the online coaching space that lost this, you know, like when I coached people in person six days a week for six years, we had conversation. We, I, I, I would touch their shoulder. Like there's physical touch, there's emotional touch. They tell me about their marriages, about their kids, about their spouses, about their jobs, about their hobbies. Like there was communication. We were friends, right? Like, and I think that's lost in the online space. And a lot of people just provide macros now. And that's an issue to me. So I have clients that I'm friends with and I, and I really, really believe that a part of a coach is to be a friend, is to be a guide, is to be a support system, is to be accountability, is to be somebody that actually understands where the hell you're at and sees eye to eye with you so they can give you an honest opinion about life, not just there's so many clients I take through meditation and take through all these different random things that they did not sign up for. But I'm like, hey, like, I see that you're going through something. I'm here to talk if you need to. And these are some things that have helped me deal with emotional or mental stress along the way. And I, I think that's what a coach is, man, a coach. And this is why I never call myself a trainer or nutritionist or an online coach or anything like that. It's always just a coach. And I, and the reason I'm like that is because I think it's just so important to, it sounds bad, but go beyond your scope of practice, right? Like I, I remember when I first started <laughs> training, it was like, don't ever go over your scope of practice. Don't recommend supplements. Don't do this. Like you're a trainer, not a doctor. You're a trainer, not a therapist. And I tell my mentor clients, I'm like, go past your scope of practice. Because a lot of times that's what the client needs. And I think a coach isn't afraid to push those boundaries. Yeah, I, te I definitely agree with you and going beyond the scope. Because like, yeah, you're right. Like, you know, you can't go beyond your scope and pretend you're a doctor. But at the same time, I think you would definitely agree with the fact that most people's problems when it, com when it comes to hiring you as a nutrition or a fitness coach is not actually with fitness or nutrition, right? Like most people are fully aware that Doritos and Coca-Cola aren't a great option sitting on the coach watching SNL every week, yeah. right? Like that's, it's not that hard to figure out. So if, if 
if that was the issue, people wouldn't be hiring people like yourself or myself. Um, it's a lot more that has to go between the years. What do you enjoy most about coaching? And if there's anything else in the world that you could be, what would you be anything else? Ooh, that's a hard question. Um, I, the thing I love most about coaching is human interaction. Um, it's why I say yes to so many things. It's why I get on the phone with clients every week. It's why I sit on my email for hours every day. It's why I go do free seminars. Like I, I've, I've, I've thought about this a lot lately, actually. Um, and this is a good question for coaches to ask themselves is like, what is your superpower? And your superpower is going to be something that you not only love, but you're extremely good at. Whatever that thing is, you need to do way more of it. That's how you will see success. Not by doing videos because Gary V does videos and Gary V is successful. And so that means you have to do videos so you can be successful like Gary V. That has nothing to do with it, right? Like if you asked people within the last three years, like what's the best content strategy? They'll all say audio and video. Blog's dead. Nobody wants to read blogs. Well, fuck that. I love writing blogs. So I'm going to keep writing because that's what I do. I didn't start doing videos and shit like that until I had somebody on my team that did it for me. Cause I don't enjoy editing videos and do, I, I don't like that. Um, what I love is connecting with people. Right. Uh, and I think that's why I love coaching so much is because I can talk to people every day. I can communicate with them. I can troubleshoot their problems. Like I am a problem solver. I'm a helper. Um, I love meeting people in person. Like I love doing podcasts like this. Like I never say no because I love talking to other coaches. Like I just love connecting and I know somebody's going to listen to this and it's going to help them. So I think for me, man, the thing I love most about coaching isn't nutrition specifically. It's not training specifically. Um, I love the science and I love geeking out. Don't get me wrong, but I think human interaction is actually what I love most um, and what I thrive off of. And if I didn't have that, I'd probably go crazy, but that's what I love most. If I had to do anything else, man, I don't know if I could, like I, there's, it's hard. Like I want to find an answer because I know like it's a question. So like, it's like, I gotta have <laughs> to do it. And I think that like, I, I don't think I would be successful at anything else. Like this is just what I'm meant to do. But I would say this, like if I did anything else, it would have to allow me to do content still. And it sounds crazy, but I probably would. And this is something me and my fiance talk about all the time doing in the future. I'd probably open like a restaurant or a wine bar. Um, I love wine. And I think that like, it would be really cool to have a wine bar with music and like people hanging out and connecting. Like, so it's kind of related to what I love about coaching, but um, as crazy as it sounds like, that's probably what I would do. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's awesome. And you're totally right. When you, when you're having a hard time figuring out the answer to that question, it's probably a good sign for your, yeah. the future of your career for sure. So let's spin bases a little bit. Uh, one thing I, I obviously, like I, I mentioned to you earlier that this is my listeners are, are primarily uh, CrossFitters or work are working out in the CrossFit industry. Um, and while you don't CrossFit specifically, you have tried it in the past. And that's one of the things I actually like really respect about you. You, you don't just make opinions on something based on something you've never tried, right? Like you've tried CrossFit, you've experimented with it. Um, whether, you, and I'm, I'm sure you've, you've found aspects that you do like, and then there's obviously areas of CrossFit that you don't like, or also the fact that they just, there's holes in CrossFit, let's be honest. Mm-hmm. Um, tell me a little bit about your experience within CrossFit and also how that pertains to the amount of clients you work with within CrossFit. Yeah. So, I mean, it, it actually was funny because I, I love bodybuilding and that's just because that's what I found first. You know, if I found CrossFit first and that allowed me to lose that weight at the beginning and change my life, I would probably be a diehard CrossFitter, but it's kind of one of those things, you know, the first thing you really fall in love with, it's your first love. For me, it was watching bodybuilding and and finding bodybuilding and building muscle and stuff like that and losing fat in the process. Um, So I always kind of come back to, to bodybuilding, but when I started the podcast, I started getting a ton of questions about CrossFit. And I know for me, like when I was a, when CrossFit first came out, I was a nutrition coach and a very educated trainer. And when I say that, I mean, by the book, functional movement patterns, this is how you load things. This is how sets and reps and intensity works. There's a a program design art and CrossFit came out and it was like, we're going to take everything and put it together. And it doesn't make any sense, but you're going to do it. And it was (laughs) like, what? So it was just like idiotic to me. It didn't make any sense. I just, it was, it was, it was just so weird. But then it started getting bigger and bigger and bigger. And, and then one of the biggest things is they build community and culture like nobody else. Nobody else builds community and culture like CrossFit. 
but I started diving into it a little bit more and I started realizing that there was a lot of smart trainers coming out of it and they were, they were producing some really badass athletes. And I watched the CrossFit games and I was like, these guys are fucking insane. Like in the best way possible. Like, I love it. It's the coolest. I wish I could do that. Um, and so I started to get more interested in it and I started getting questions about my opinion and blah, blah, blah on the podcast and Q and A's. So I was like, you know what? Um, I keep talking about my opinion and what I think about it as an educated coach and trainer, the goods and the bads, but I've never done it myself. So my buddy, he's an Olympic lifter and he owns a CrossFit gym locally. I'm going to hit him up. So I signed up for like, I signed up for three months and I ended, I think I ended up doing it for like six cause I really did enjoy it a lot. And it was such a different change of pace. Um, I think, you know, like my, my biggest takeaway from it was the excitement, the culture and the community it built. And I think what people need to realize is, you know, recovery is important. Hormones are important. Calories are important. Like all these science-based principles are very important, but so is fun. Right. And sometimes you have to bend the rules to adhere better. And for some people, CrossFit might not be the smartest thing because maybe you have a stressed out lifestyle. Well, do whatever you can to allow that person to be able to do a little bit of CrossFit because that's what they enjoy and what they enjoy is what they're going to adhere to. And I think that's really, really important. Um, and I fell in love with it, man. It was intense. It pushed me. And I think that's a big thing too. A lot of people train too hard and overtrain, but a lot of people train like wimps for lack of a better term, man. Like <laughs> I know for me is like, I can strength train and like bodybuild and stuff like that really hard. But then I went to CrossFit and it just whooped my ass like my conditioning was horrible and I was like whoa I have never pushed myself like this before in conditioning um and I started doing it and I got really good at conditioning um, that actually encouraged me to go do Muay Thai and boxing and I did a bunch of different things to just push the limits but I think there's a big value inside of people pushing their physicality outside their own comfort um, and I recommend all of my mentor clients do this for their business actually it's like hey dude like what scares you it's like Brazilian jiu-jitsu. Okay, cool. Start doing that. It's going to push you physically. It's going to make you very fucking uncomfortable, but it's going to make you grow as a human being and think a little bit differently. It's going to improve your business and your lifestyle. I guarantee you. Um, and that's something I learned from a business coach way back. Um, and I started doing things that just pushed me physically and it pushed me mentally. And I think there's a lot of value inside of that. Um, obviously there's boundaries there. Um, like you said, there's holes in CrossFit, there's holes in everything, but you have to be careful because if you're just pushing constantly, you're going to go into overtrain uh, state of mind, uh, state of being. So that's obviously a big factor too. But um, biggest takeaways from CrossFit, man, the community, the culture, and the excitement behind it is like nobody else. There's a lot you can learn as a coach about what they do to get people fired up about doing it. Um, and then you can probably push yourself a little bit harder. Like when you're in the moment, you should push yourself as hard as you can, and you should also recover as hard as you can. Yeah, and I think that's you're, – you're definitely right about that. Like I think – the the fun aspect of CrossFit is almost a double-edged sword. Like, yes, it's really, really fun. But at the same time, if it, if it's fun and you're not recovering in terms of managing stressors outside of the gym and also just not managing your nutrition properly, it, it can go really, really wrong. Yeah. Um, like I have a lot of clients, I shouldn't say I have a lot of clients. I have a couple of clients who are in that stage where they're, they've overtrained before uh, and we have to work on hormones. And the first thing I'm obviously pulling is Metcons and Metcons, are the fun part of CrossFit, right? Like that's the fun thing that you get to throw down with all your friends. And as soon as you pull Metcons, you, you see the smile just go from their face. Very briefly kind of go over the hormonal impact uh, that you see with clients in terms of overtraining in CrossFit and where it can go wrong uh, if nutrition and lifestyle factors and lifestyle stressors aren't uh, in check. Totally. Um, and, and so people know too, like, it's not like we're not picking on CrossFit. And the reason I say is because I know bodybuilders, it isn't as common. I will admit that, but I know bodybuilders who do a prep and they're training super high volumes. They're doing a lot of cardio and they're dieting for a show mm -hmm. after the show. They don't want to gain weight and they forget to taper off their training volume and they get into this overtrained state as well. So for sure, you know, like stress is stress. And I think that's the most important thing here we have to look at. So when I get a client who's doing CrossFit, maybe doing a little too much or, comes to me um, and a good example is a client and this is I've had this well more than once and I'm sure you have too it's pretty common comes to me doing paleo and doing CrossFit they're CrossFitting six days a week they're doing paleo so their calories and carbs are pretty low so they want to lose weight but they also love CrossFit and they're eating paleo so their food choices are pretty limited which there's nothing wrong with paleo but if you're not tracking macros and ensuring you're eating enough food while doing paleo you're likely under eating it's very common during whole yep. 30 and paleo and stuff like that so they come to me and they're in this point of probably eating too little calories. And let's say they're eating like 10 times their body weight in calories, but they're not losing weight. 
you should be losing weight at 10 times your body weight and calories without a doubt in my mind. So if you come to me in that state, it tells me that there's just a stress imbalance, right? The recovery equation is out of whack. So this is kind of, to me, where the art of coaching comes into play. Now, if you're in this state, if you're a male, you probably have some nervous system issues. You might have some cortisol and adrenaline issues where your adrenals are just getting a little too fatigued. Um, your cortisol is probably chronically elevated, which is going to cause more hormonal issues. It's going to cause metabolic downregulation. It's going to cause stress in general. Um, you're probably going to have testosterone issues. Uh, if you're a female, you're going to have a lot of the similar things. You're probably going to have some thyroid issues as well, sometimes even estrogen imbalances. There's a whole cascade of events that happen. The good thing is that a lot of times they are pretty simple to fix. They just take a long time. If you've been under eating and overtraining for a year, it's probably going to take close to a year to fix you completely, but that's just part of the journey. Some people are hyper responders. So we bring calories up and boom, they actually get leaner. Other people aren't that like uh, lucky. And it's more common that you're not going to be that lucky if we're being honest. But what we do is just, I mean, essentially there's, there's two aspects you can look at. There's a recovery diet or a reverse diet. Recovery diet is going to bring your maintenance up way quicker. So we're going to add calories aggressively at first. You're probably going to gain some fat and then we're going to slowly do it. I do this with clients that are in too much of a hormonally compromised state. So you come to me, you're eating a thousand calories a day and you've been eating a thousand calories a day. You're training super hard and you have a lot of biofeedback issues. So sleep, stress, sex drive, mood, cravings, hunger, um, your nails and hair are brittle or cracking. Your skin doesn't heal quick after a cut your fingertips and toes are cold all the time. Like things like that are symptoms of uh, underactive metabolism or um, basically hormonal dysfunction, thyroid, whatever it may be. Um, but if you come to me in that state, we're going to go with a recovery diet. Like I'm just honest with the person. Like, hey, we're going to jump your calories up pretty significantly right out the bat. You're probably going to gain a few pounds. We have to do this. There's no other choice because the reality is, is you're in a pretty bad place. Other people, are, maybe they already are lean. They want to stay lean. They're not super horribly adapted. We'll go with a slow approach. We'll just slowly add calories in. Um, this, again, is the art of coaching. How do we go about this? What will be the minimal effect on their mindset, on their emotional well-being? I have some people that are really high-level CrossFitters, um, and they're like on the brink of being like in the games kind of level, but they're not because they've been under eating, yet they're so – worried about their body composition changing that they won't adhere to the calorie increases that I'm giving them. So we have to go slow. In an ideal world, I'd be like, hey, gain a few pounds of fat. It's not going to stop your performance because you're already ripped. But mentally, it really affects them and it fucks them with them. So we got to take a slower approach. And that's just part of art of coaching. Um, and then I think too, like, you have to understand what is causing more stress, the lack of calories or the overtraining. And which is going to be easier for them to adhere to? Like you mentioned taking away Metcons. 100% agree with you. The problem I see with that in some people is if I take away their training, they're mentally just screwed with. Yep. So for some people, I need to buy their trust first and show them that this will work. So I'm like, hey, just keep your training the way it is. I'm going to make you feel way better in those Metcons. But I need you to eat more food. So now we add calories. They feel better. They kind of buy in. I'm like, after a while, I'm like, hey, let's change one of those cross the days to like low intensity steady state cardio because we need to build your aerobic capacity too it'll help your sport but it's also going to help your metabolism okay it'll help my performance i can buy into that really it's just lower intensity right it's less volume less intensity it's more recovery they feel better they lose weight they increase their metabolism they fix their hormones whatever the result ends up being we're moving in the right direction but there's an order of operations depending on the individual and depending on how i want to coach them um so how i approach it is it's going to be it's going to be so individual man it's going to be different person to person but i think at the end of the day Almost all hormonal downregulation can be solved with increasing calories. If they're a high-performance athlete, I believe in bringing their fats up to the minimal effective dose, meaning what is the minimal amount of fats we need in order for your hormones to function properly? And let's, it, usually it's around like 0.4 grams per pound. So let's say we, it's 50 grams. We bring you up to 50 grams. Me bringing you up to 70 grams isn't going to supercharge your testosterone. Probably not going to do anything, <laughs> Right. Anything that calories totally wouldn't do. But if you're a performance athlete, I'm going to bring you up to that minimal effective, and then I'm going to increase your overall calories, which is going to have a bigger impact on hormones, which has been documented in studies. But I'm going to do it via carbs because that's going to go to muscle and performance, which is going to lead to less fat accumulation in the process of reverse dieting. And I think that's a lot of things coaches don't realize is because in the 
industry, it's been known that like fats are good for hormones and people kind of take that out of context and they want to drive fats up super high. But the reality is, is like most studies show it's actually from an increase in calories. When dieting, if your fats get below a certain point, usually in that 15 to 20% of total calories, you do see more severe hormonal issues. Uh, but that's only in a calorie deficit as well. So I think we have to take all these things into context and look at the individual and decide what the best role is. If, if they're not training super hard, maybe we do increase more fats because they don't need the carbs. Um, but again, it's just, it's just so person to person. Um, I don't know if I answered that completely properly. It was kind of a rant, but let me know if, if, if I did or didn't. Yeah, no, I think that was awesome. Like you definitely went into the, like as close as we could go down the rabbit hole. I mean, you can do, you, we could, and you have done multiple podcasts in terms of, um, on your own show with, with the hormonal implications of overtraining, whether that be through CrossFit or bodybuilding physique style, as you kind of mentioned before, mm -hmm. I want to respect your time. So I have like two closing questions that I kind of ask everyone. Um, cool. the first one is it, it, it is the refocus nutrition podcast. So when I got into this, I got into nutrition coaching because like you, something fired me up in terms of, uh, wanting, I want people to refocus a lot of their lives on different things than a lot of the fad diets that we've seen. So like, you know, I was tired of seeing people do go from one diet to the next diet to the next mm -hmm. diet. Um, and that was like, we really have to refocus on like just doing the simple things that have, that have done, done and worked well for years and just doing them properly rather than going from like the keto diet to the snake oil diet, like to all these different things. So if there's one thing that you think uh, people should refocus either their nutrition, lifestyle, or, or training on, what's something in that industry that could help better their lives? Man, I think, this is something I struggle with too. I think if people refocused their, I guess, effort on themselves, like as in not your nutrition, not your training, not your business, anything, but like having fun your mindset? Are you meditating? Are you journaling? Are you reflecting? Are you going on walks? Are you hanging out with friends? Are you doing something that makes you smile? Are you, do you have any hobbies? That was a big one for me. One of my mentors was like, what's your, what are your hobbies? And I was like, I don't even have any hobbies. He's like, that's a problem. <laughs> like, <laughs> I, so I think like a lot of people focus so much on their one thing that they forget that there's other aspects of life. So I would just have people consider that maybe you should refocus the whole spectrum, right? Like I believe in the four pillars of power. There is your body physically, so your health, your nutrition, your training, everything like that, your mindset, so that's your being, your emotional well-being, your spirituality, religion, anything like that, your confidence. There's your relationships, so everybody in your life, coworkers, spouse, friends, family, and then there's your business and your finances. But those four pillars create kind of like your kingdom. If one pillar falls down, the whole kingdom crumbles a lot of people go so hard in their business, they neglect their body. Some people go so hard on bodybuilding across it, they neglect their relationships or their hobbies or their mindset or anything like that. So I think if we can refocus just these four pillars as a whole, don't neglect any one thing. And it happens. Like there's been so many times in my life where I'm like, fuck, I've been focusing on these two or three things and I totally let this slip. And now it's not in a good place. I need to refocus on that. Whether it's forgetting to meditate or do stuff for myself or forgetting to appreciate my spouse enough and things like that. But it only goes so far until things, bad things start to happen. So my best advice as somebody who's been an entrepreneur for a long time, uh, who has been transforming their own body and physique for the last eight years, the smartest thing I started doing was focusing on other pillars of my life and it actually improved my main thing. So if I focused on other areas, my body improved. If I focused on my health and my relationship, my business improved and it's always been that way. So my best piece of advice is just refocus maybe like the whole entire aspect of life i don't even know if that's specific enough to one thing but um but yeah i think that would be it yeah i think you're totally right like in today's world too like i think the the idea that you know you want to jump from one thing to the next thing to the next thing we just often forget about like who we are and having that like that 10 percent of fun in their lives so that it makes the other 90 percent more productive um if that's how the even the the, the breakdown is and the last question Dude, like I think, uh, sorry to interrupt, but I think yeah. appreciating the process too, right? That's something yeah. that I've done a lot and a lot of entrepreneurs do is like you said, moving from one thing to the next. That's what kind of made this click. But like setting a 90-day target or setting a big goal and before you reach that goal, you're already thinking about what the next goal you're going to set 100%, is. 100%, yeah. So when you get to this goal, you don't even celebrate or reward yourself because you're like, oh, well, I'm not there yet because there's another goal, right? Like, and I think that's a big issue is like something I've really tried to do the last couple of years is like, make sure I, I actually set up like 
ways to reward myself. It sounds crazy, but like, <laughs> I'm going to buy myself this when this is accomplished. I'm going to take my family here when this is accomplished, whatever it may be. Uh, because I think it's important to reward yourself and appreciate the things. And, and that means little things too, man, like everything in our life. Yeah. I couldn't agree more with that too, because like, you're right. Like within like CrossFit, for example, you know, you, you might want that 225 pound clean, then you get it and you're like, okay, now, now what's next? We're always in that what's next mm-hmm. mentality. Right. The last question I have for you, and it's kind of a morbid one, but we'll go for it anyways. What's your legacy you want to leave uh, for people after, after you pass? Cause like if, if you're, if you can envision yourself, you know, and somehow you're watching uh, as people are standing around your grave at your funeral, what do you hope they said about you? What do they want? What do you want them to have thought about you? Ooh, I would want, and I've, I've thought about this question before. Um, it's funny. We've mentioned Jay Frugia. He was the first person I heard ask this question. Like, what would you want people to say at your funeral? I would want them to, I don't know exactly how they would say it, but man, just the whole giving thing. I think if people just remember me as somebody who just was always willing to give and help and, and put them before me, like I know, I understand that's smart to like kind of put yourself first. If you're not healthy, you can't help others be healthy. If you don't put your mask on, on to breathe on the plane, you can't save anybody kind of thing. And I agree with that. But if people can remember me as the guy that just really just wanted to help and just wanted to give more, I think I would be really happy. Like that's, and that's what I try to do with everybody. Like, that's what I want my daughter to remember. That's what I want my spouse to remember. I want my clients to remember the people that follow me. Like they all play a massive role in my life and my legacy. And my legacy is just that man. Just I'm, I'm I want to be the definition of a go-giver. Awesome. Yeah. I love that. And you can definitely, like you said, you can definitely see that bleeding through and not just your content, but you know, in terms of like, if you reach out to, to, to you on Instagram you will get a DM back. It just not might not be five seconds later, but you will get it back. So uh, I encourage all of you listening to it to definitely reach out to Cody if any if you have any questions or anything like that, or uh, or want to learn more about his journey. Tell me, tell everyone else where we can find you uh, on social media, on your website, and also just direct people to your podcast because I think that your podcast is probably one of the reasons I started mine to begin with because like the vast amount of knowledge that you go through on your podcast is like literally insane dude thank you that's that's awesome man it's always cool to hear that shit so um yeah i mean uh boom boom performance.com that's like the the hub for everything uh the boom boom performance podcast on instagram it is at cody.boom boom um facebook is boom boom performance or my name cody boom boom mcroom uh, but everything's kind of hosted on the website and make sure that everything's easy to access from there as far as the membership site our ebooks our free giveaways all that stuff um and yeah like he said man like dm me shoot me a message on instagram that's where i put most of my content and i absolutely dm every single person back and sometimes people are surprised and they're like oh, thanks for messaging me i can't believe you did and i'm like I'm not going to just let this sit here. There's no way. So um, I really do message everybody back and I have fun talking to people. So I, I encourage everybody to hit me up. Awesome. Well, thanks so much for coming on Cody and we'll have to do this again some another time. Yeah, absolutely, man. Thank you for having me.